what a privilege it is to worship with you folks today. I was telling some of the older folks here, the last time I preached on a Sunday morning at your church was when it was over on Conowongle Avenue. <clears throat> that goes back a ways, doesn't it? But I've always enjoyed being with you and sensing your love for the Lord and your beautiful spirit. <clears throat> My wife is with me sitting in the back, and she had knee surgery a while ago, so she's <clears throat> sitting where she can put her leg up on the pew and keep the ankle from swelling. Some of you have had that done. <clears throat> I also feel at home because several of you have worked at the hospital, the Rouse Home, over the last several years, and I've worked with you. Uh, when my job ended at the hospital back uh, about four years ago, <clears throat> it ended on June 30th, and the position at the prison I began in July 1st. And so I'm part-time chaplain at the prison now. And there is some material in the back uh, on your display table back there. There are some things I left. <clears throat> One of the most important things I left was a prayer pen. It looks like a refill. And that's what you're allowed to have if you're in prison. You're not allowed to have a regular pen. It can be used as a weapon. So if some of you, if you, you feel the Lord laying on your heart, take one of these, would you? And men, maybe put it where you put your change at night or your keys. And women, maybe put it where you have your grocery list. And every time you see this pen, will you pray for the hundred people or more or less in the Warren County Prison? God's been doing marvelous work in the prison. Not me. God's been doing marvelous work because people have been praying. So the warden gave me prison mission. If you get one of these, you don't have hot, a hot item from the county, okay? You're allowed, you're allowed to have this. Pray for the prison. There's also what we call stay-out-of-jail-free cards back there, little green cards. They're just good to have. Um, they, they tell where all the free meals are in Warren. There's seven free meals a week in Warren. By the way, all put on by Christian organizations. And then on the other side, there's all sorts of uh, places to go for help. Uh, housing Authority, Veterans Administration, Love, Inc., uh, food pantries. And so uh, I see you already had some back there. I think maybe... Maybe Jeff got those for you. But yes, you already have some back there. But they're good. They just have on hand. You see a needy person. Give them a card. It has all those phone numbers that they need to call many of the help agencies in Warren County. The way we walk with a broken is more important than how we sit with the important. The way we walk with the broken is more important than how we sit with the great. This morning I want to share with you what I call a scriptural map for ministry. Or we could call it Matthew's map for ministry. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to start and we're going to stay in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to start with Matthew 25. 34 through 40. The map for ministry. The map for ministry. Can everybody hear me okay? Am I coming through okay? Okay. The map for ministry. We're going to start with motivation. Then we're going to go to another passage in Matthew and talk about um, our attitude, the A, 
in the word for map. And then lastly, we're going to look at the promise from God. Our motivation for ministry. I think probably you're all weary like I am of telemarketing, phone calls, uh, of advertisements that are flashy, but yet it's not something probably we need. Trying to be sold something that really isn't significant or maybe isn't even for our own good. In other words, being used or manipulated. We live in a culture that does that, and it's easy for us to catch that when other people are doing it to us. It's real easy to catch when someone's trying to use us. It's a little trickier to notice when we may be using somebody, when we may be going the easier way in life rather than really the opportunities for ministry for hurting and broken people. We have this parable that Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. And my wife and I have a little farm. We have some sheep. We have some goats. Uh, some other critters too. But Jesus in this parable, and in this chapter of Matthew 25, he's, he gives three parables. He gives a parable of the ten virgins, a parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and the goats. He's talking about end times. And he's talking about when it comes time to sort things out. And he's using the sheep as an illustration of his people, and the goats as an illustration of those who are not his people. One thing we need to be careful with this parable is it's not saying, it's, it's not saying at all that those who do good deeds get in heaven because of their good deeds. That's not what it's saying. What is it saying? It's saying that people that love Jesus and keep him first do good deeds. It's not what gets us in, but once we're in, once we're in love with him, it's going to spill over. Praise God, right? Praise God. When he's first and I'm in love with him and I see a needy person, what do I want to do? I want to help. And guess who gets the biggest blessing usually? The helpers. But that's not why I do it. I do it because he first loved me. I do it because even from Adam and Eve, God had a plan. And then Abraham, he had a plan. The descendants of Abraham would bless the nations. And then Jesus came. There's a plan. And today, probably hundreds, if not thousands of people around the world are dying because they believe in Jesus Christ and because they're living for him. And because for 2,000 years, people have lived for Jesus in spite of their sacrifices. And that word now comes to me. And what can I do but pass it on? What can I do but pass it on? I didn't, I didn't buy or earn the salvation that I have, and you didn't either. Why? What's our motivation for ministering to needy people? Now, there's lots of ways you can do that. It doesn't have to be in the prison. It can be on your street. It can be among your family. It can be here at the church, and your church has been so beautifully open to prison ministry. Jeff and his his ministry with the backpacks is a beautiful thing. And, and the, Christmas, the Christmas party that your church has put on here, your church has been very open to ministry, always has been. And it's called Christian Missionary Alliance, and you have, you have been fulfilling that. Just to divert for a moment, uh, one of the Christmas parties a couple of years ago, a little boy came in and watched the movie, 
that they had here while the party was going on over there, and the, the kids were kind of going back and forth. And something like this, he came back to the party and said, hey, you guys, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Isn't that beautiful? He saw that on the movie. Boy. What's our motivation in this map for ministry? Or I could call it the only reasonable response. The only rational, reasonable response to my receiving the gift of God is to pass it on. Well, let's look at Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Isn't that interesting that when he praised him for it, they didn't remember? That tells me something. If I do something... We could get into husband and wife things here. We probably shouldn't. One day my wife saw me doing something I don't normally do, and she said, did you do something wrong? <laughs> you ever do that? <laughs> I tried to make, I told her, no, I'm just trying to make points ahead of time. <laughs> when they asked Jesus, when did we did this, it tells me they weren't trying to make points. They weren't doing it for credit. They were doing it because they loved Jesus. Seeing all the kids here, I love to see all the kids. On the farm, we sometimes have baby pigs and baby goats. I had to get rid of the, they don't have any baby sheep anymore because I told my wife the ram knocked me down in the pasture and she made me get rid of it. I'm glad she loves me more than the sheep. That's, that's good. But we have all different types of critters on the farm. And it's interesting to just watch animals. Some of you have pets. You can learn a lot from animals. You know what chickens do? Have you ever watched chickens? You know, they kind of, they, kind of, uh, uh, they, they step forward, they scratch, they look down, they peck, they step forward, they, they scratch, they back up, they peck. Chickens peck. That's just what they do. And, and, and they, seem to, they seem to cackle all the time. There's some sort of little gurgling sounds going on all the time with chickens. Well, what do, what do goats do? You ever had a goat? Goats come from the mountains and they're made to climb. You have a brand new car and you have goats running in the yard and if the car is the highest place in the yard, they're going to climb in your car. 
let them in the house, they're going upstairs and get on the dresser. I mean, goats climb. That's just what they do. Goats climb. Pigs. What do pigs do? Well, for one, they eat like pigs. Eat with their mouth open. So, youngsters, if your mom says you're eating like a pig, that's not a compliment. But pigs root. They've got this huge muscle in the back of their neck. They can hardly lift their head above level. Where goats will stand on their back leg and push a branch down with the leaves on it and eat it, pigs just, they can't get much above, not much above uh, high level. But they got that muscle in the back of their neck and they can root. I, I could have a lawn service, you know. I, I could bring my sheep and they'd mow your lawn. The pigs would till your garden and the goats would trim your shrubs. But they wouldn't do it very well. But each of those animals does what it does. It's by its nature. What do really, what do Jesus followers really do? Friends, we love. We love. We love when we get nothing back for it. We love not because someone's watching. We love because that's what Jesus' people do. That's what Jesus did. That's our motivation. We love not for credit. It does give you a wonderful feeling when you minister. But we don't worship the feeling. We minister because we're following someone who's ministered to us. And we've been handed ministry. Our motivation If you have been blessed and you've been able to work for many years and save a little, not, not spend everything you made, but save a little bit, and may, maybe you can even be out of debt when you get to be my age. But there's one debt I never will have paid off. The blood of Jesus. While I was still a sinner, he died for me. There's one debt we'll never have paid off. And I see ministry is simply doing for Jesus what others have already done for me and what he's done for me. And another reason we do it. Isn't it a wonderful thing to sense that we're pleasing the Father? Don't you want to please your dad? Something like 80% of the people in prison have not had a significant male role model in their life. Think of that. Think of that. You know how the young goats on my farm learn to be older goats? They watch their mama. They watch an adult. What a wonderful thing to sense that we're pleasing him when we are among the people he'd be among. The Crossing is a wonderful place in Warren. If you haven't spent much time there, maybe that's not your mission. But you might want to try sailing up there once in a while. And there's some of what you'd kind of call street people in Warren. They're not really street people. But there's a lot of broken people there. And you and I, when we go in, there's another broken person there. But it pleases him. And another, another, another reason for ministering the other reasons I've given are enough, but here's another one. And it can be taken wrong. 
And it doesn't mean we're earning our way in. But something happened to me when I started going into prison. I'd pastored two churches, one for four years, one for five years. I came back here in 84. I was a chaplain for over 30 years at the hospital and nursing home. I've been a chaplain now. I've studied the Bible. I've preached um, every Sunday at the Rouse home. Matter of fact, if you, if you want to brag on me, I've put more people to sleep than any preacher I know of. I preach at the Rouse home. And the people on medication, they're tired, they come to church. And you know what? It was wonderful. And I didn't care. They knew they'd been in church. But what's a motivation? Somehow, somehow we were made to minister. We were made to reach out. Wesley is quite clear on this. And again, it doesn't save us. But there's something about, even after all those years of ministry, which I really enjoyed and felt God, God bless me in my ministry, when I went into that prison and sat in a cement room at a steel table of steel doors behind me and saw people across the table that wearing stripes, it did something for me. Somehow I saw myself in them again. I was reminded of our own brokenness. You know, the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, they were doing good as long as they were following God and trying to spread the word. They kept it all to themselves. And we die spiritually. Jesus never called us to a Christian country club. He called us to be an army and a missionary people, which is in the name of your denomination. He called us to reach out. Somehow it's essential to our spiritual life that we minister. That's our motivation. What's our attitude? Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Some of you will recognize what that is. That's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The very first, uh, second, or it's actually, uh, yeah, the first verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Longest recorded Sermon of Jesus. And Jesus is a genius. I mean, you know he's a genius. He's a genius above all geniuses. And he put this one first for a reason. The very first beatitude, and by the way, these are what your attitude ought to be if you want to catch your way to remember that, the beatitudes. Without this first beatitude in verse 3, none of the rest of Scripture makes sense or works for us. It does not work unless we get this one point. We've looked at our motivation. Now, what's our attitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You ever try to teach somebody something that thought they knew it all? For one thing, they're no fun to be around. Know-it-alls, they just aren't. Sometimes, I, I, I've had, uh, once in a while I get a chance to chat with some of the women in prison, uh, and I'll suggest to them, don't hang out with a guy that's strutting. Strutters are no good to hang out with. What is our attitude? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who come to God with not a bit of self-righteousness. None. Well, God, I went to church for a long time. Huh? Jesus said, I died for you. You're a sinner just like everybody else. 
my wife was coming back from a women's Bible study in the prison. And in the old elevator, they had a sign on the wall, face the wall. The prisoners were supposed to face the wall. It was a small, it was a small elevator, and they didn't want a prisoner being able to reach around and, and grab a guard while they were operating the, the elevator. So my wife was coming back with some prisoners, and they were getting in the elevator, and the guard said, face the wall. My wife faced the wall. And the guard said, why, why, why do you face the wall? She said, oh, no, she said, where are your stripes? The guard said, where are your stripes? <laughs> my wife said, on the inside. On the inside. We all got stripes. Pride and arrogance. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. When I'm standing up here, Lord, help me not to try to impress these people. Help me to try to share your word. Help me not to look for compliments when we're done. You struggle with that once in a while, don't you? I bet you do. Our attitude is one of blessed are the poor in spirit. For there's the kingdom of God. We are one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. The biblical worldview is that all of us are sinners and broken. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, beautiful hymn, beautiful theology. Every verse has some kind of important theology in it. He was a slave ship captain before he wrote that hymn. I don't know, many of you probably knew that. He did terrible things. People died. He, he took prisoners. He, he took slaves as prisoners to the New World. Became a Christian. He helped William Wilberforce in England defeat the slave trade. Isn't that just how God turns things around? But as he got older, if you want some impressive reading, try reading some about John Newton. As he got older, he said something like this. He said, when I was young, I was sure of many things. Remember that? When I was young, I was sure of many things. When I got older, I became sure of two things. One, I am a miserable sinner. And two, Christ is an all-sufficient Savior. What's our attitude as we minister to broken people? As a broken person. Stripes on the inside as broken people. Realizing that by somebody else's stripes, we all are healed. Isn't that true? The stripes of Jesus, we're all healed. Our motivation is doing it for Jesus. Our attitude is blessed are the poor. And, and, and we come into it with a worldview where we are also broken. And the mystery happens then. We are somehow changed. Motivation, we're doing it for Jesus. Attitude, one of humility. And then the next passage, Matthew 13. Matthew 13, what is the promise? You know, I don't know who of you have had good fathers. But if you had a good father and he made you a promise, he kept it. He kept it. And you might have gotten impatient and pestered him about it a little. But as you got older, you realized good fathers just keep their promises. Jesus told a parable about a sower. Matthew 13, 18, he explains what the parable of the sower means. Listen to what the parable of the sower means when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. Now, the seed in this parable is the word of God, okay? And we can spend time talking about seeds. Aren't seeds interesting? 
one time I was volunteering when I was pastoring in Annapolis, Maryland. I was in the Anne Arundel County Detention Center, and there were about a dozen men there, and I was sharing this parable. And I said, I made a mistake. A country boy, I grew up in this area. I made a mistake, and I said, how many of you folks, have, how many of you men have planted seeds? Almost all of them raised their hands, I thought. Well, that's odd. Well, it wasn't carrots. It wasn't radishes they'd sown. <laughs> they'd sown marijuana, many of them. But you know what? When you sow a marijuana seed, you get marijuana. Whatever kind of seed, seed you sow, you grow. This seed in this parable is the word of God. And Jesus is telling them, that the disciples, before they go out, and when you're doing ministry, this is, he's telling us this. When they went out and spread the word of God, some people would just say, no, no, that's it. And, and we still care about them, but you don't waste your time there. You spend your time somewhere else. The one, verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell in rocky places is a man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Hmm. It, take, it takes root. But the one who received the seed that fell in rocky place, the man who hears the word, receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. And in my situation, there is jailhouse religion. There are people that are going to receive it and do well when they're in that closed environment and they're going to come to our Bible studies and they get out and they're going to back their old friends and their roots aren't deep and they're going to go away. You know, it helps to know what to expect in life, right? That's going to happen. Breaks your heart. Just breaks your heart. It reminds me. Some of the folks go to Faith Inn when they get out of prison. And Faith Inn was started by Grace United Methodist Church and some Christians. And now it's a, it's a government-run agency, but it was started by a Christian agency. When people are going to get out of jail and we talk to them in our Bible studies and, and our worship services, and they'd say, uh, I'd invite them. I'd say, when you get out, my wife and I are going to pull by Faith Inn every Sunday morning at 8.30 because our church starts at 9. And I said, just come out and we'll give you a ride. Well, we did that for about three years, and I think we had one person that came, okay? But I'm pretty persistent. I mean, you know, I'm a farmer. I'm persistent. I keep sowing seeds. And I, I would kid my wife. I'd say, you know, this morning, we've got a little forward focus. This morning, we're going to have to shuttle run the crowds of people over to church. And nobody came. So we'd just pull up out front and whisper a drive-by prayer. One day, we're sitting there, and I was whispering my drive-by prayer. But I was... I was pouting. You ever pout before God? I don't know, I do. I was pouting. And you know, sometimes the Lord taps you on the shoulder. Not this morning. He put his hand on my shoulder. And he basically told me very clearly in my heart, Mark, didn't I promise that some would grow? That's what we're going to get to here. Didn't I promise? And he said, basically said to me, Mark, isn't my word good enough? Do you have to see it? And I kind of withered. <laughs> no, I don't have to see it. That's good enough. Thank you. And we drove on. Since then, I've had the chance in the last month or two to have a prisoner on both sides of me in church, <laughs> a former prisoner. And altogether, we have at least five former prisoners, not, not during my reign as chaplain, but We've had uh, at least five former prisoners that attend our church regularly. 
And that can be messy, and you need to be aware of that, and you need to be careful with that. You need to find out if they have certain charges against them that mean they can't be left alone in the building. That, that's all part of the program. Ministry's messy. But what's the promise? Okay, some seed will be snatched away. Some will be shallow soil. Let's look at the next one. The one verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is a man who hears the word, but the worries of this life. Are you a worrier? It can dampen. It can dampen your spirit. But follow it through, and the Lord will be with you. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out, making it unfruitful. Okay. So some are going to start following pretty good. But uh, you're going to get, it's going to get crowded out. But here's the promise. Here's the promise. Motivation, we do it for Jesus. Attitude, we do it humbly. What's the promise? But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is a man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Some seed will grow. When you get a pack of seeds for your garden, often it says germination rate, 85% or something like that. I mean, some of them won't grow. What do you do? Quit planting? No, plant more. Plant more. Some will grow. He was preparing his disciples. You know, expectations are real important when we want to accomplish something. Expect some people not to like the message. Expect some to get excited and say, yeah, yeah, and hooray and all that, and, and they'll drift. It doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean we try to chase them down some. But keep spreading the good news. Keep living the life of Jesus. It's attractive. It'd be interesting to be able to ask us why, why each one of us came to Christ. One of the main reasons I came to Christ because I knew men that were, <laughs> were my age then who loved the Lord. And there was a winsomeness. There was a beauty in their lives. There was an integrity in their lives. I didn't have a father role model at home very much. And I wanted what they had. Motivation. We do it for Jesus. Attitude. We do it with humility. The promise. Some will grow. Some will grow. So I encourage you. Keep it up. You've been doing these things. Keep doing them in your own personal life. Live the map for ministry. I know of no other reasonable response to all that's been given to me. May we live it. May we love the Lord with our whole hearts. And how does that come? Ministry to a broken world. It is so broken. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If God's main concern in this book, which is written in blood because people have died for it, that's something else. We didn't earn this. It's amazing we have the word. I read of one country where if they were found with the word of God in their home, that uh, it'd be burnt. And so what they did, they had one Bible in the whole village, so they tore it up in pieces, and different families took different pieces home so it wouldn't all get burnt at once. Isn't that incredible? And God forgive me, I don't read it as much as I should. If God's main concern is redemption of the world, it should be mine too. There's a legend, and it's just a legend, but it's a beautiful legend. A Roman soldier by the name of Martin 
was coming into the city one night, and at the city gates there was a beggar who was cold. And Martin didn't have anything to give him except he cut his robe in half, his cloak, and gave the beggar half of it. That night, Martin had a dream. And in his dream, he was in heaven. And Jesus came into the room where he was in heaven. And there were other heavenly beings there. Jesus came into the room and he had half of a battered cloak on. And they asked him, where did you get that old cloak? And Jesus said, my friend Martin gave it to me. When we reach out to broken, we're identifying with them. We're reaching out in the name of Jesus. What a privilege it is. We've been so blessed. I think maybe now there's a praise chorus we're going to end with. Is that right? Thank you for the privilege of letting me share. Again, there is that literature on the back table. If you feel led, we could use another woman and another man in prison ministry. We have... Um, also, Hope has two services during the week. The Prison Ministry Board has a women's Bible study Thursday night, and we are going to have church this afternoon with them. Uh, so they have two from the Prison Ministry Board. And we have uh, Bible studies for the men Tuesday night, Thursday night, Thursday afternoon. And uh, then we have a service Sunday afternoon for the men, and we have a movie night for the men Sunday night. We only do one ward at a time, though, so it's kind of broken down. We don't get very many at a time. We get to sit across the table and care and love and see people and just by going in, just by going in, we're affirming that somebody thinks they are special. I hate to guess. I hate to guess how many of those people. Sometimes we've had uh, father, or yeah, grandfather, father, and son, three generations in. Right now we have a father and son both in. It, I, I just hate to guess how many of them have never really had an adult male, look him in the eye and say, you are precious or have not been used or manipulated by other people. Um, many times broken up in homes where they had to warp their personalities to survive. And just by going in, just by going in, we're saying, we think, we think you're people. We think you're precious. We think you're special. Let us tell you about some hope. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. That there is a God that cares about you, no matter what you've done. I had a had a woman a while back. I had an obituary. I had a, a funeral for a forty-year-old that overdosed on what they call bad drugs. I tell them there are no good drugs. I was telling the women who came, and I asked. I actually was asking them to pray for me in that funeral. How, how do you do a funeral for a forty-year-old that leaves a, a young baby and and her mother and and, and but anyway. I was asking them to pray for me, and the one woman across the table began to cry. The one prisoner across the table began to cry. She said, I have sold drugs to that woman in the past. But then you begin to think about the Bible and people like the Apostle Paul. He didn't have a great track record before he met Jesus, did he? You think about Moses, who was a murderer. Think about David, who was a murderer and adulterer. Oh, this book gives us hope, doesn't it? It gives us hope. So if you feel led to volunteer, there's some applications back there. You just go to, or, or you just go to the prison and ask for an application to be a volunteer. 
If you're going to be a volunteer, I'll be straight with you. I'm going to ask you if you're having your daily devotions. I'm probably going to call your pastor and say, is this person a good volunteer? You need to be emotionally stable. You need to not be in incredible debt. You need to be following the Lord every day, worshiping regularly in a church so that you have something to tell them and something to share with them. But you think God's calling you to that ministry. We always go in in pairs. We never go in alone. Hardly ever. Uh, you go into the pairs, you won't be asked to lead anything for a while, but you just go along and be a part of the, the, uh, the team. So if you feel led for that, um, you know, pick up an application, talk with me, and uh, we can probably get you involved. Praise team is going to come now and share with us.